You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. I love you too. Waiting. You are always on time out there in, uh, in Bill's Mafia, uh, out there joining us in the live. They're all live editions of the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast. We always we got used to saying uh, the live edition on Wednesdays because we would do some other stuff recorded. But now we're, we're live Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, sometimes Monday with live, uh, live shows here. Uh, Mr. Ryan Talbot joining me on the show. And it's got to be a disappointing one for Bill's Mafia. Um, the ups and downs in the NFL are like no, nothing else. It's you're, you're, you're kind of flying high. They're up two scores early in the third quarter. Uh, then kind of the wheels fall off and you kind of like, man, you're just kind of sitting back on your hands in that fourth quarter. Like they're just, this offense can't get anything going, just kind of accepting what's to come. And then lo and behold, this bill's offense put, you know, Josh Allen puts the team on his back, another fourth quarter game winning drive or so it seemed. And then Kyler Murray comes back and, snatches everybody's hopes and dreams away um first thoughts ryan talbot what, what did you think well first thoughts is just like you said it's a heartbreaking loss for this bills team uh we saw again the third quarter struggles although they did have that fumble and fumble recovery you you, you saw the bills give up that two score lead uh you saw them have no answers on offense you saw some turnovers of their own uh, it, it's been a problem for the Bills all year. It, it seems like even in those seven wins, it, it's hard to remember any of those games being comfortable. Uh, Buffalo ha- has won a lot of games late, and, and this is one of those rare times where the ball didn't bounce their way, so to speak, when they needed it most. This is the Shout Football Podcast, like I mentioned. Thank you for joining us. We are sponsored by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. Um, and you know, we have a lot more to talk about, uh, on this episode of the show because so much happened in this game. So many, um, big plays, you know, performances, players, there's a lot to get into, but let's start with, um, well, I always kind of dictate things, Ryan, that's not fair. Where would you like to start this evening? I'm going to go to the commentaries. Let's let's talk a little Tyler Bass. Let's talk some kicking game here (laughs) on a Sunday night. I, I like it. I, I'm very upset. 
uh, because I had my child's little, that little fishing toy where the fish open up their, their mouth and chomp and you know, the fishing reel. I had a whole prop ready to go for today after he made those three field goals before the half, setting three career highs before halftime. Uh, I think it was 53, 54, 58. And yeah, he had one doink off the, the cross or off the uh, upright, but those other ones were pure in that 58 yard. It looked like it could have been good from about 68. Uh, he was great. He's starting to come up clutch. There is even a time where I think his extra points made Bill's fans nervous, but he's kicking it pretty pure now. So I don't know if it was a case of nerves early. I don't know what the, what it may have been, but we saw the kicker that the Bills clearly fell in love with during this draft process, and we saw a player who could end up being a weapon for Buffalo in these close games. Yeah, and a cool thing that Josh Allen added after the game because he was asked about Tyler Bass um, was that he's he's really liked in the locker room. Guys like really pulled for him even when he was struggling early in the season. And and Josh even mentioned that like, um, you know, we knew he was going through some stuff. And guys like him in the room. They rallied around him. They're there for him, uh, even when things don't go right or they believe in him. So, you know, that's that's a pretty cool thing to hear about your kicker. And like you said, I mean, making a couple fifty yarders. Was it two or three? I thought it was three fifty three. yarders. Yes, three yeah. fifty yarders in a game. I mean, those are big time kicks in a game, especially as those ones go along. I almost put myself in the in in the mind of a kicker on that third long field goal, and you're like, man, the is this the third straight drive now where I've had I've been asked to come in here and kick a field goal. Like these are getting more and more important, and they're getting longer and longer. And I'm like, the stress of those moments for me, a regular guy, uh, really stresses me out. But you know, I thought that he did a great job. I think you're, to your point, he's turning into to quite the weapon, and you know. Josh is quite the weapon as well. He's been quite the weapon this season. He ups his touchdown total to 27 on the year, had three today. Um, but there's two turnovers. And there was, you know, a big a couple of you know stretches today where I felt like the offense stalled. And we can get into who deserves the blame and where where it should go because I think that there's a couple ways it could go. You know, Josh was struggling. He made a couple throws that I thought were bad decisions. He put the ball in jeopardy. He even put that on his back today and said, I can't do that. It's the stuff that, listen, you're never going to have a quarterback who, you know, has the kind of arm that Josh Allen has, in my opinion, that's not going to throw interceptions. I mean, you go back to last week, Russell Wilson threw, threw two of them. And before last week, he was the greatest thing since, you know, you know, walking on water out here. I mean, this guy was having quite a season, uh, still is. So I think that you just don't want to see the um, volume of dangerous throws that we saw out there today. I think you tweeted it uh, on one of the interceptions that, you know, that was a interception, but he had a couple earlier in the game that could have been an intercepted. And that's where I think you get into that part of, you know, Josh hero ball, old, you know, throwback Josh, if you will, that I think irritates some people and, you know, concern some people when you start looking into the future and when he's going to go up against good defenses that scheme things up pretty well against them. And that's another thing he said today, Ryan, they did some stuff that was confusing him. They disguised their coverages really, really well. He's, he's struggled with that in the past. I think some of the answers that he's had, you know, early on this season, like that smoke, uh, John Brown, quick screen pass, that worked one time today, one or two, once or twice today, but then it wasn't working, and then they didn't have an answer after that. Yeah, that, that was an issue. You're right. The, the first time they dialed it up to John Brown, it looked like he was going to almost take it for a touchdown, and, and maybe the, the knee issue that he was having was what kept him out of the end zone on that play, but the next time I think they dialed it up to Stephon Diggs, and 
Uh, that time the Cardinals defense was waiting for him and they tackled him almost immediately. So he, he probably thought he saw what they, they did the first time around that it would be there again, but it wasn't the case. So they did disguise some things. Uh, they looked like they're going to send pressure a few times where Allen got it out really quickly. And again, there was no pressure coming. They were just sitting back and waiting. Uh, Allen, like you mentioned, a lot of interceptable passes, uh, two to Peterson before the third one that was intercepted by Peterson, obviously then had one uh, intercepted by Dre Kirkpatrick. So th- there were a lot of passes in that game. We said, ooh, you know, that's not the Allen that we've come to see a lot this year. He's easier said than done to, to phase those, those kinds of throws out, especially when your offense is struggling. Uh, one interception came a play after Allen looked like he was going to get sacked and brought to the ground. He dropped it off to Devin Singletary. Singletary gets downfield for a nice gain. And then at the end of the play, Dawson Knox is flagged for uh, an illegal block. And that kind of sucked the momentum out of that drive. And the next play was the interception. So, you know, it, it, it's kind of funny because one play can can change your entire outlook, your entire play call. And who knows what would have happened if the Bills pick up that first down. Then there's some momentum on their side. Penalties hurt the Bills today. Some play calling hurt the Bills today. Run blocking hurt the Bills today. The list goes on and on. And there's even more than just those three factors alone. But at the end of the day, they simply were not good enough. We've seen this too many times with this third quarter issue that the Bills have where drives stall out, uh, where they simply don't have the answers, where maybe they become a little bit too predictable. Uh, Pass, pass, pass. They go three and out. So the next drive they run on first down. And maybe defenses are waiting for that. Uh, I, I'm not sure, and I'm not trying to take away anything from Brian Dable, who has been a very good offensive coordinator this year. There's a reason the Bills have one of the best offenses uh, in the league, but they also have to really sit here at this bye week and say, what's happening in the third quarter where our, our offense is just really stalling out consistently and letting these other teams get back into games? I haven't gone back and charted it yet, and I and I, I might do that tomorrow, and we got a bye week here that we'll, we'll both have some time. Uh, over the next couple days, um, but there was a lot of run plays that accounted for negative yards, and I feel like, you know, you get into the third quarter and into the fourth quarter, and those kinds of plays keep popping up. You gotta change things up a little bit. Like I, I think that if you have a complaint about Brian Dable that I think had that holds some water, that can be one of them because you could see all game today that, that you know they weren't able to run the ball and. You know, I, I get it that Josh was dealing with some confusing things out there, but you have to have other punches in your ar- arsenal to throw back. And this is not an elite level Arizona Cardinals defense. Like, yeah, they did they scheme some stuff up that was good? Were they the healthiest they've been all year? All of those things are true. But I still think that this is a defense that, you know, matchup wise, there were some advantages for the Bills to be had. Now, the offensive line, Mitch Morris was active today. He didn't play, and this is something that I think we touched on on the um, preview show and that I saw out at practice this week that during the walkthrough portion where they're sometimes line up in their starting uh, formations, uh, starting lineup, they'll they'll go through some walkthrough stuff and we'll get to see who's out there, especially on the offensive line when there's guys dinged. It helps to kind of forecast what's going to come on Sunday. And Mitch Morse was not in the line. Cody Ford was not in the line when they were running through some of the walkthrough stuff. So for them to activate Mitch Morris, he had three full days of practice. I think he was ready to go, but the thought process was Feliciano's playing at a high level. Let's go one more day. But the problem is with Feliciano at center, which I think he's good there. I think he's better than good. I think he's been really good at times at that center position. The problem is what's next to him. 
And I think that you really saw Ike Bucker and Brian Winters kind of uh, exposed a little bit in this game. And I think that that's where a lot of the problems for lack of sustainability of drives came in. I thought the offensive line didn't play as well as they've, they've played at times this year. Yeah, you nailed it. Josh Allen was not sacked once in this game. He only took about four hits, but it felt like he was under pressure a lot. And a lot of the times there was someone coming in on block. There was someone coming in beating a Brian Winters, uh, beating an Ike Butker, uh, whoever, whatever the case may be. And that led to some rush throws. That led to some throwaways, some throws that Allen threw at the feet of his receivers just to kind of throw the, the play away. Uh, the running game was a disaster. And again, the offensive line needs to take their fair share for that. There were multiple times where Zach Moss and Devin Singletary were were handed the ball and there was a Cardinals defender literally waiting in the backfield for them. Uh, One or two times where Moss was able to maybe get a few uh, yards out of it, but he he was tackled for a loss a few times. Singletary was tackled a few times. And, And then going back to the running backs, you know, they had some blown opportunities as well. Uh, there was a beautifully set up screen to Devin Singletary where I think he runs it into the end zone if he catches that ball early in the game and he drops it. They had blocking out in front and, and I mean, they had a caravan out in front of him. I, I think he would have been running all the way to the end zone, like I said, but he drops it and the Bills have to settle for a field goal. It's little things like that that add up over the course of a game. So you're talking three points instead of seven, and maybe this game's out of reach if the Bills score a touchdown there, and they build up some of that, some extra momentum throughout that game. And yeah, I'm someone that believes in momentum, but Buffalo had opportunities to win. They looked like they were going to escape Arizona with a win with less than a minute remaining, but then Arizona had their own, you know, magic prayer come true for them late. You know, there's a good question here from Kevin on Facebook. Uh, no run game puts a lot of pressure on Josh. And it, it, it gets me thinking that, you know, I think that what we're seeing at times, especially in a game like this, is the the absence of that facet of the offense is going to be a problem long-term for this offense if they can't find some level of balance. Because when, when you become too one-dimensional, I think that's where teams can really, unless you're the Kansas City Chiefs that has all these tricky little, uh, you know, uh, uh, skill players that do so many different things for Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. I think you're gonna you're gonna stall out. You're going to run into games where you know you're beating your head up against the wall and and, and things aren't working. And um, and I think that when you have a, an offense that's capable of the big plays that this offense is capable of, you run into situations like this where Josh is going to sometimes error in trying to force the the ball in places he shouldn't force it because, you know, in the back of his mind, he knows that run game's not going. He mentioned after the game today, we know that we understand the run game's not not doing well, and that's something we really have to look on getting fixed. And so it's present. It is ever present in their mind with each bad run that happens, with each negative run that happens, that's kind of sitting on the back of their mind. Yeah, but the Bills are also kind of doing this to themselves at times where they they take one of their running backs and then line them up at wide receiver and you're leaving Josh back there without any uh, running back, without giving the illusion that you might be handing it off, that there might be a play action set up and eventually defenses are going to pin their ears back. They're going to send some extra heat. They're going to disguise some things like we saw today. Uh, Buffalo also needs to try to make it so that way that defenses are thinking, well, maybe this will be a run play. You know, Moss is right next to him or Singletary is right next to him. 
if you just keep spreading everyone out, I, I get that they've had a lot of success with that. Do not get me wrong. But over the course of a game, it becomes predictable for defense saying, okay, well, he's obviously passing again, or it's going to be a design quarterback run up the middle. Uh, that's one area of the run game that I thought the Bills could have taken more advantage of tonight, the, the design quarterback runs. I thought Allen had some good success when they did dial that up, uh, but they didn't even go to that enough. So, you know, it, it is what it is going to the bye. They are 7-3, and three, but the Bills have to figure out ways to keep defenses on their heels a little bit more, and I think that involves, one, obviously getting that run game going to a certain extent, but two, not making it, Josh, such an easy target in the backfield when he's lining up there by himself. All right. Before we go any further, let's let's talk about these two receivers because I just pulled up Twitter and I was scrolling and I, I saw the the replay of that Josh Allen touchdown. I'm just watching it on loop. Holy crap, man. That throw was insane. That spot in the game, 30 seconds left, game on the line. That is just an absolutely unreal level of difficulty throw. Stephon Diggs went into this game. Play, having played three times in his career against Patrick Peterson. And in those games, he's caught 11 balls for 73 yards and zero touchdowns. Today, nine catches, 109 yards, I believe. I have the stats right here. Why am I not looking at them? Um, 10 catches, 93 yards, and a touchdown. So he basically bested his career in three games against Patrick, Patrick Peterson in this game alone. And I don't think Peterson was on him every time he, he had a catch, but you get my point. Stefan Diggs was phenomenal in this game, made a big play in a big moment when you needed it. Cole Beasley might've been the bills MVP in this game. Not only did he make that Superman heroic one-handed catch where, you know, listen, I've heard that, that Cole Beasley's quite a baller. Like he, he's got skills on the basketball court, but that dude got up in a big way. I remember LaShawn McCoy joking with me in camp when, Beasley's first camp and I seen this dude dunk and you could tell that that vertical is insane he got up and made that catch he was a safety valve for Josh all day getting open uh big plays the touchdown catch was was phenomenal you know those two receivers they they were absolutely huge today and you, you could tell that even before the injury John Brown's still a bit banged up yeah uh Diggs ran a great route there to score the touchdown late Allen delivered the ball in a perfect spot and as a number one wide receiver should he came down with that ball uh going to the ground I can't say enough about Cole Beasley today. Uh, the extension, the one-hand grab, the getting your feet in, and getting a first down on that play. Uh, I, there was a, there were multiple third down plays where it was a pitch and a catch, but he'd get it to Beasley, and Beasley would move the chains. There was one along the sidelines. I believe it was a third and five, and he picked up seven on the other side. So he's Mr. Reliable. He's coming down with the ball. He's moving the chains. Uh his touchdown reception was, was fantastic today. I mean, he froze. I think he, it was Patrick Peterson that he, he absolutely froze at the line and, and got himself wide open for his touchdown. Uh, so those two were great. John Brown, I know it didn't count because there was a, a holding penalty. I believe holding penalty on the play uh, comes down with that great 24 yard reception on, I believe third and 23. Uh, only to have it negated by that penalty. But he came up with that great play coming back to the ball, having his leg bend awkwardly as he came down to the ground. So all three of those receivers were great. uh, Isaiah McKenzie had the gadget touchdown pass. Wide receivers stepped up today. They were not the issue. They were not the fault. 
Uh, they they played a pretty strong game, and I know someone in the comments just said Gabriel Davis disappeared. Well, Gabriel Davis, you know, maybe he did, but he wasn't really targeted much when he was out there. I know the one the second interception was a pass intended for Gabriel Davis, but that was more so Allen's throw, uh, allowing the defensive back to kind of close in on that. So the the top three all played great games. Isaiah McKenzie is that gadget guy, had a really nice play. The wide receivers should be feeling pretty good heading into this bye week about their play over the course of the season, uh, despite coming off of this really tough loss. We're going to get into this run game a little bit, obviously this defense, but first quick word. Ready for football? With every game a home game, Tops is ready for you with its TV a day giveaway. For six weeks, every day you shop is a new chance to win a massive 70-inch 4K TV. Shop Tops for the best deals in town, in-store, or online to win. We'll get into the run in a little bit. Let's shift gears to the uh, um, to the defense because you tweeted out your report card and you gave the secondary an A despite that last play. And I think somebody tweeted at you, kind of not thrilled with that. But go into you know you got the floor. Go into what you're thinking there because honestly, when when I read that, I didn't have a problem with it because I agree for four quarters for most of four quarters, I thought that they were really good. Yeah, yeah, I had a lot of. Uh unpleasant commentary on Twitter and Facebook after the report card came out. Listen, one bad play and not even a bad play. Buffalo had three players where they needed to be on that Hail Mary. DeAndre Hopkins just simply made an unbelievable. I don't want to say once in a lifetime because he's an unbelievable player and he probably will make more plays like that throughout the rest of his career. But he made a spectacular catch over three defenders, three of the Buffalo's best defenders. But look at how this game really broke down. One, you enter the game without Levi Wallace, without Josh Norman, uh, and Dean Marlowe, as one fan mentioned to me a few times here uh, throughout the game. So three members of your secondary are gone. Jordan Poyer, uh, early in the game, third and goal, has a pass defense where he almost comes down with the interception despite uh, not playing on the receiver that the, the pass was intended for. He jumped up and almost hauled that ball in. He later has a, a great interception. Micah Hyde, who has the big third down tackle late in the game when Kyler Murray is able to elude pressure and looks like he's trying to get outside to rush for a first down. It's Micah Hyde. You have Taryn Johnson force a fumble in the third quarter. That's recovered by Dane Jackson. (laughs) You have Dane Jackson make another play uh, in the end zone early in the game against DeAndre Hopkins when they're lined up one-on-one, a pass breakup on a play. And then he goes down with an injury. So now you're bringing in Daryl Worley, who pretty much came in off the street uh, about two, three weeks ago. And yeah, he has some experience in Sean McDermott's system, but not so much with Leslie Frazier, obviously. So they they took a little hit there. But overall, this secondary made multiple plays to give the Bills a chance to win late. Would you like to have the Hail Mary back? Would you like to see maybe one of them uh, swat at the ball a little bit more? I know one of the biggest complaints I saw was, oh, they were all going for the interception. Well, you know, maybe in the picture, it sure looks like that, but they're just simply trying to make a play on the ball. That someone comes down with that interception, the game's over. There's not one or two seconds remaining for Murray to try to roll around and uh, throw another Hail Mary either. It was a spectacular play that, you know, nine times out of 10, 99 out of 100 times, those Hail Marys are not converted. It was today. It was a heartbreaking loss. It stinks if you're a member of the Bills Mafia. But throughout four quarters, that secondary was pretty solid. Uh, against Kyler Murray in that passing offense. Yeah, I thought that they played a huge role in the containment effort 
against Kyler Murray. They were tackling when they were around him. Uh, I thought that Taron Johnson maybe had his best game um, in a while, and it started off bad because if you go back to that first drive, and you know, it ended up with just a field goal because of Dane Jackson, who I want to talk about a, a little bit. Um, Taron Johnson was, you know, he got blown up a couple times on that first drive, and you're like. Uh oh, this is not looking good because I think somebody tweeted something to the effect of I think it might have been Kevin Massar from Trainwreck where he said if Taron's not doing that well, that's that's what you have him out there for his physicality in the run game, and you know when he's missing tackles that's a problem and I I agree, um, but I thought that he responded in a big way. He was huge um, against uh, Kyler. I thought he made a couple plays and he forced the fumble. He forced that uh, that fumble that they recovered on Kenyon Drake. So. Uh, kudos to Taron. We've talked about him struggling. Give him some props. Dane Jackson, to me, is a huge find, and you hope that that injury is not something. I know he came back. You hope it's not something he can get 100% after the bye. I, I don't know about you, Ryan, but I think that Dane Jackson's got to be your starting second cornerback moving forward. I know they like Levi Wallace and what he brings, the stability and what he's done there in, in the starts of the last two years. And I know they brought in Josh Norman to be CB2, but Dane Jackson has earned that job. You know, the only argument is maybe he hasn't been tested enough, but when he mm-hmm. has been tested, he has shown up. Going back to last week, he comes in. The first play is a pass right to DK Metcalf. Almost immediately upon Metcalf catching the ball, he's at Metcalf's legs, wrapping him up, bringing him down to the ground. We saw the interception in the Jets game against Sam Darnold when he came in. It was a bad throw by Darnold, but kudos to Jackson for reading it and, and reading the quarterback's eyes and being in the right spot. Today, yeah, the fumble recovery was great, but the the big play was the pass breakup when he was somehow one-on-one in coverage against DeAndre Hopkins. So when his number has been called on, he's done really well. Now, would that be the case if an opposing quarterback starts trying to pick on him? You know, time will tell, but we've seen Levi Wallace get picked on and struggle. We've seen Josh Norman get picked on and, and struggle when he's been out there this season. So maybe it should be dane jackson's opportunity because he has looked the part when he has been thrown at and yeah the sample size is small but right now it looks like the bills really did find someone or or, you know someone that could end up being uh, playing a bigger role than i think they first anticipated uh and with maybe one of these extra roster spots i think you do have to elevate him to that 53-man roster so that way you're, you're not worried about potentially losing him uh to another team out here that obviously has probably seen his play over these last few weeks. Yeah. And I, I do get the, the the point. Like if you're sitting back, if you're Sean McDermott, what does it say to your locker room when you got a veteran like Josh Norman, who's pretty respected in the room and a guy like Levi Wallace that has gone out there and been your starter for two years. <laughs> if you're going to then put in a seventh round draft pick as a starter, I, I could see some potential issues with that from a team building perspective or a team psyche perspective. So I would understand that, but I just think that, in a situation where you your defense has played really well with him in the lineup, um, and I'm not saying it's all because of Dane Jackson by any stretch of the imagination, but you, you talk so much about if you're Sean McDermott about um, you know earning everybody everybody earns everything jobs and playing time and everything like that. I think Dane Jackson's done a good job and earned himself uh, some more time out there. You shared a question from the comments. Uh, why would Sean McDermott take that timeout at the end there? He did say in his press conference after the game that um, he wanted to take it because that wasn't going to be the last play of the game. He wanted to give his defensive players a rest before the final play or two uh, because he said that uh, his uh, pass rushers were a little bit tired. 
but yeah, you probably hindsight being 2020 and, and Sean was a little bit testy in the post game uh, press conference. And I guess rightfully so he's coming off of a very emotional loss. Um, I thought, Sha- I thought Josh was really good in his press conference. Uh, uh, by the way, I should mention um, just taking the responsibility for the interceptions and kind of detailing what, without looking at the film, what went wrong. He kind of, he took this, he took the shots. And I think sometimes you look for that, especially from young players to kind of step into that post-game press press conference and answer for the mistakes they made. And, you know, no surprise there. I mean, the kid always takes um, responsibility for the mistakes, but uh, Sean was a little bit testy. And, and he just said that, you know, he there's probably things in that game that he could have done better and he'll go back and watch the tape and want to improve upon. That was his line of thinking. But I think that was the, the thinking there. And, and they had to be tired. I mean, they were out there a lot late in that game and they made some pretty huge and, and you know, crucial plays when they needed it most. Uh, so heading into that, I, I understand the thinking behind it. I get it. Yeah, well, no, let them run out those last 11 seconds. Make them beat you, you know. But at that, that point in time, the guys were winded, and you have Kyler Murray who's elusive because the Bills had some pressure on him on that Hail Mary play where they they drove him to the sideline right before he was able to, to get that ball off. So they were tired. They were out there a lot, especially in the second half with with Buffalo's drive stalling out uh, in the third quarter, especially. So I, I understand the thing behind it. Obviously, did not pay off though uh, on Sunday. Next Gen Stats put out a stat uh, after the game. The Cardinals offense took advantage of light boxes, six or fewer defenders on the ground in their win over the Bills. Six or fewer in the box. So they basically were playing Kyler Murray at all times. Net, do not. We're praying that you do not beat us. Um, 26 carries for the Cardinals, 177 yards and a touchdown. So with that said, I, I want to transition to like a greater, like a, a larger discussion and this Bills defense, it's funny. Like, I think they've played two good games against the Seahawks and the Cardinals. I mean, these are two high-powered offenses, two of the best statistical offenses in the NFL. And that's another thing, too. Like, if you want to take the, the bright side of this thing, when we went into this three-game stretch and all the way back before that New England game, what did we talk about? If you can win two of these next three games, you are going to go into your bye week with a smile on your face. Now, they've raised the expectations with how badly they beat up the Seattle Seahawks, especially how well their offense played last week. So you were this close to a win, a fourth quarter comeback win, and it got snatched away. I understand the emotion in that, but you got to put that in this perspective. You're still sitting in a very good spot. We'll talk about Miami too, before we get out of here. Um, But this defense is playing well. I think, I mean, they're getting to the quarterback. They're hitting the quarterback. Um, They had, um, I thought that they frustrated Kyler Murray at times this year. And you watch him over the course of the season. It's not, there's not too many times where he's visibly, visibly frustrated the way he was as early in this game as he was. Um, so I think kudos to them. I, th- I thought AJ Klein's continuing to play pretty well, but they're still giving up tons of yardage. They're just, they're relying on opportunistic takeaways and they're relying on that bend, but don't break uh, mindset that Sean McDermott has instilled in this defense since he's been here. Yeah, the run defense is another issue that they really have to uh, look at here at the bye week. Why are they getting beat? Why are they getting blown off the ball? Is it because of the defenses that they're playing and saying, hey, you know, we're gonna, we want to make sure that we can stop the, uh, the the pass and not the run so much? But, I mean, you even saw Kyler Murray run in practically untouched for two touchdowns in this game where the, the Bills were sinking in on the running back, and I get it. That's what you're supposed to do if you think he's getting the ball. 
But then Murray held on to it last second and then could just have his way with this team. Kenyon Drake was getting big chunks of yards. Chase Edmonds was getting big chunks of yards. The Bills have to find some kind of happy medium with what they're running and who they're they're trotting out there. I get the lack of a true one technique has really hurt them in that regard this season. Uh, but you're paying a lot of money to this defensive line, and, and, and they're getting pretty uh, beat up against the run this season. Not just against the run, just sticking one more thing with this defensive line. At the end of the day, you look at all the money invested there, and it's Justin Zimmer that's the only one that comes away with a sack. And you just have to kind of sit there and say, I know they flashed at times. I know that there were some pressures. I know that, that Kyler Murray is a rare breed of quarterback in terms of his elusiveness. But you need more from that unit. Like you said, the linebacker unit the last two weeks has really come on. A.J. Klein and Tremaine Edmonds, I thought, both had really good games again. I already touched upon the secondary. You need more from this defensive line against the run. You need more in terms of getting after the quarterback, too. Now, you're not going to have many more Kyler Murray's on this schedule, but there are still some quarterbacks, bigger quarterbacks like Justin uh, Herbert. You, You have Ben Roethlisberger, who's not elusive, by any means, but he's still a bigger guy, harder to bring down. Uh, you have Tua, who, who you know, he, I, I'm still not ready to say he's playing great football, but because the defense and special teams have kind of really helped him a lot here early in his career. But he has some interesting matchups here yet to be played, and you need that defensive line to play some really solid football down the stretch. All right. Um, anything in the comments that we uh, that we haven't covered? Uh, I know this is uh, these are these are tough ones. These post game loss press conferences for you guys. Um, I, I've seen some of the comments on social media, and it's it's heart wrenching because you know it, you finally have a team in a season that is you know a real contender, and and so these ones, you know, you, you, you're you're looking to turn the page, and these ones I think bring in some of that old anxiety that has come with so many bad bills in the past, but I think that there are some really good positive messages going out there. And I think that, you know, if you put everything in perspective and you get on the other side of this loss, uh, I I think you'll start to realize that seven and three with this schedule is right about where we all put this team. I mean, uh, maybe, I mean, some people were even saying, you know, six and four, five and five, uh, through this first stretch. So I think you go into the bye, you regroup, you have a Chargers team that I think is very beatable coming to Buffalo. You're going to be, have two weeks to prepare for that team. You go to eight and three and you're really in the driver's seat and you really do control your own destiny as well. Cause you play the dolphins. I want to talk about that before we get out of here. Oh, um, some housekeeping too. Uh, let me throw this in before I forget. We will be have a live show on Wednesday. Only one show this week. Uh, it's going to be the buy, so we're going to be uh, pretty off the radar. But we are going to have our good friend, the Godfather of Bills Mafia, Del Reed, is going to hop in to the to the lounge, and we're just gonna we're just gonna talk some some football for a couple, maybe an hour, and uh, lay back, answer your questions. Uh, it's been such a cool month for Bills Mafia. Who better to uh, get in here to talk about it all? Um, but Miami's looming, and it's something that I told Thad Brown on the pregame show two weeks ago where you know he kind of was, before the Seahawks game, kind of writing them off. Tua had just played that one kind of eh, game. I did not watch him today. I don't know really even know how he played. I just know that Miami won. I don't think this team is going away, Ryan. No, because they're getting contributions on defense. They're getting contributions on special teams. Uh, they had a blocked punt, I believe, in today's game that set them up with first and goal from the one-yard line. And that was, you know, got the scoring off off and running for Miami. And sure enough, they ended up winning by one possession. 
you know, the, the Chargers just seem to have that the, the, some of the worst luck in the league. They always seem to blow it late, but they weren't. They couldn't even get into it this this week because they got so far behind. And they tried at the end to make things interesting, make things close. But that was pretty much Miami's game from the get go. And the defense, like I said, is playing better. Tua right now is playing okay, but he doesn't have to be anything more than a game manager at this point because of how well they're playing in those other phases. So I think a lot of that anxiety for the Bills, it's not because they lost on a Hail Mary. It's not because they're at seven and three. It's because Miami is red hot right now. They're they're right there. They're six and three. Buffalo's seven and three. Buffalo's inactive next week. Miami can literally tie them. Uh, for first in the division record-wise. Now, Buffalo has that head-to-head win, obviously. They're 4-0 in the AFC East. Uh, they're faring pretty well uh, you know, in the conference. Yeah, two of their three losses have come against uh, conference teams in the Titans and the Chiefs. But the Bills have handled their business pretty well so far in the AFC. But because Miami is not going away, that that's bringing up a lot of that fear because this was supposed to be the year that the Bills win the AFC East. And it's very possible that is still the case. But there's some there's a tough stretch still of games for the Bills to play. And I'm not saying Miami doesn't have any tough ones left, but it, if you look at their path, I think they have a more favorable schedule as well. So the Bills need to come back out of this by playing really good ball. New England Patriots are putting it on the Baltimore Ravens tonight. I think they just went up 20 to 10 in the third quarter. Wild times. Uh, I think this is going to be a fun race at the end. I think there's a lot of – a lot of football left to be played. There's a lot of uh, ebbs and flows. I mean, you know that there's going to be some more big injuries, more big COVID news. Um, and that's another thing, too. I, I wonder how much, you know, all of these different factors haven't pl- played a role in, in this last few weeks for the Bills. I mean, the, the big up and down from the Josh Allen, um, you know, donation storyline all week, which he kind of played off after the game or it was when he was asked about it and said, yeah, I did a couple of things, but I was locked in. I was focused. I'm sure he was, but just like to find out that you're going to be down four players the day before a game, we didn't talk about him much, but I think Dawson Knox continues to struggle. Uh, made a couple of catches today, but he's a, he's a liability as a blocker. I mean, he got blown up last week by Jamal Adams and he had a couple more tonight that I just was like, Man, this I thought he really popped as a blocker as a as a as a rookie, and it's he's really really regressed, and I think that that's that's troublesome. Yeah, and I don't know how much of this is psychological because maybe he came in with big expectations for this season, but it's one thing after the other for him. Uh, early in the season, you know, obviously he, he fumbled the big reception against Miami, and he's had some issues there uh, with uh, catching the ball in his career too. And, and then you have some other issues as well as my cat tries to get into the, the picture frame again. My apologies. Um, and, and then you have some other issues today. The blocking. It, the blocking is not good. He, like you said, he, he was a plus blocker as a rookie last year. Not so much this year. Uh, I mentioned earlier in the show the Singletary catch where Allen looked like he was getting about to get sacked and he get, gets it off to Singletary. And then an unnecessary block in the back pretty much when Singletary was pretty much already going getting tackled to the ground. That negated that play, and they were offsetting penalties on that play, so it won't show up as a necessarily penalty there. He was responsible for an illegal shift on the one driver. The Bills just went in the completely wrong direction, and I think it was a third and 33 that uh, they found themselves in where they then hit Stefan Diggs for 21 yards. So little things like that add up over time. He has been a liability out there. And while Tyler Croft has not been spectacular by any means, 
he just kind of he makes plays when he's out there. He he blocks pretty well. Uh, he, he's doing the little things better, a lot better than Dawson Knox right now. So losing Croft for today's game, when you looked at that list of, of four players, he was probably third on the list when you first thought of importance because hey, there's your your you know your two guys competing for that number two cornerback spot. Dean Marlowe, a pretty valuable safety uh, depth, and, and then Tyler Croft. But Croft's absence today kind of did loom large in terms of those little things where the Bills shot themselves in the foot. You know, it was a long day for, you know, a few Bills out there. It was a long day for me, Ryan. I uh, My power went out, and it was right at the end of the second quarter. My wife had just gone to get a pizza. She got back to the house, and I'm in the car with my son, who – um, because the lights went out and he was freaking out and we needed to get into a situation where there was comfort. I, I had to get him in the car for two reasons. One, I wanted to get him there because I wanted to get him out of the dark house, but also my phone was about to die. And after the game went out, the only thing I could watch the, the game on was my phone on YouTube TV. And I need to get it to the charger in my car as fast as I can. Now I have a generator and for whatever reason, the last two years we've lived here, I've not figured out how to use it yet and how where, where it plugs in in the house. It's just been something that's been – it's always been on my list of things to do, and I just – I've never done it. And today would have come in really handy. So we had to just hightail it over to my in-law's house, and so I was watching the game, trying to write my story. If you noticed, my story was like 15 minutes late because it was a madhouse over there. So I get back here, do the show. So I'm looking forward to putting my – kicking my feet up and just kind of enjoying my night. But it's the vibe. You know, we, we all had some L's today. The Bills had some L's. You know, I had a couple L's. We're going to go into the, uh, the the bye week and try to regroup and get our uh, get our game face on for after the bye. So the, the Bills clearly have a checklist of things to do during this bye week and, and during this time. I think we have a Matt Perino checklist. Figure out that generator because we have a Buffalo winter coming up here pretty soon. So those, those winds, that snow. Uh, you might have a few more power outages coming your way. Knock on wood that it doesn't happen. But, yeah, this is the time to get that generator figured out. But, man, quick thinking, getting to the car, uh, getting out of the dark house with your son. So kudos to you for the quick thinking, though. Absolutely. I got to say, though, I'm pretty immature, even though, like, I'm 38. And I always, like, there's some things that you just should do. Like, I always wait to the last day to do my taxes. And like, I know I should learn how to do the generator, but it just feels like a lot of work and I'm not going to understand it. And so I just procrastinate. I'm also a a very bad procrastinator, which as a deadline writer for now 10 years, you'd think that would be the worst character trait. But for whatever reason, you know, we're going way off the beaten path here. I'm going into, (laughs) I I feel like I'm in at the uh, psychiatrist's office or something, but um, no, uh, we got a fun show on Wednesday. We'll probably get more into some weird stuff like this on Wednesday. It's the bye week. Why not? Let's get a little weird. Um, if you can, we had a really fun Zoom call with how many people do we have on Zoom today, Ryan? We had five folks on the Zoom today. It was awesome. They asked a bunch of really cool questions. They even got a couple of little insider tips, stuff that maybe we haven't been able to talk about that you know uh, I shared with them. And all they had to do to get involved in these one these kind of like five on two zooms that we're going to be doing is subscribe to the podcast on apple stitcher google wherever you get your audio podcast and if you do them live we're grateful but find them on the on the audio platforms as well take a screenshot of the subscription email me a picture i'm at mperino at nyup.com 
you are immediately entered in. You will be in a Zoom. We're going to do one every Bills game day uh, before, mostly before kickoff. Uh, some of them might have to be a little bit earlier, like for the 1 o'clock games. We might be doing them at like 10, uh, 10 or so, or maybe even 9.30. Um, but uh, we'll figure all that out down the road, um, how that all works out. But get get involved because it was a fun time. Did you enjoy it, Ryan? I did enjoy it. Uh, I was having issues logging in on my phone, so see, even I took an L today. But I was able to get on the laptop a few minutes late, and it was it was fun listening to their questions, interacting with them, and I, I look forward to doing some more of those. All right. Thank you for watching the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast. Uh, another Sunday in the books, 32-30 Arizona Cardinals. Get it done. Your Bills still sit at 7-3 and three in a prime position heading into the bye. We'll talk more about it on Wednesday with Del Reed. The inventor of Bill's Mafia, one of the co-founders, I should say. And uh, we'll get into a lot of fun stuff with Dell. Uh, keep it locked on to Syracuse.com, NewYorkUpstate.com for all your Bill's coverage. Have a great week, everyone. Ready for football? Tops is with ready-to-serve fan favorites everyone will cheer for. Delicious family or party packs like pizza, sliders, fried chicken, barbecue, or beef on whack. Starting at only $4 per serving. Perfect for game day and any day. Only at Tops.